in a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. Sometimes in our pursuit of the adventure, we are hyper-focused and we hit the mark and move on. We don't always realize that until after the fact, our head was down and we might have missed some things along the way. The realization can sometimes trigger guilt or regret in real life, especially with a family. But other times, it wasn't that big of a deal. So I'm just curious, did you notice that episode 118 is missing? (laughs) I have been batch recording and preparing episodes as we travel, and in the midst of all of that, I misnumbered the episodes, and I thought about going back and fixing it, but instead, I decided to just leave it. In the grand scheme of things, does the number of the episode, a detail worth going back to fix and spend the time and energy on? It was a lesson. It actually aligns well with our theme today for this episode. Our guest today made her first appearance on Ordinary Sherpa at episode 31, Slowing Down and Being Aware. Dr. Dawn Baker is a physician, writer, speaker, and lifestyle design coach behind Practice Balance. She helps physicians and other professionals step off the treadmill of achievement, rediscover their true selves, and cultivate a practice of balance that's right for them. She's the author of the new book, Lean Out, A Professional Women's Guide to Finding Authentic Work-Life Balance. And Dawn is also an interesting, adventurous person, as you'll hear in this episode, or if you go back to listen in episode 31, she's certified in yoga. But she's also been interested in off-grid living, homeschooling, fitness, and travel. I'm so excited to have her today. Dawn Baker, welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. Thank you so much, Heidi. I'm happy to be back here. Yes. So your book, Leaning Out, I want to talk about that whole concept and I want to get to this concept of leaning out. But can you start by just giving reference to the idea and the culture around leaning in and what that has meant in particular to working women over the last decade or so? Yeah. So Lean In is a book that was inspired by a TED Talk given by Sheryl Sandberg. And then the book was subsequently written by Sheryl Sandberg, who is an executive who has worked at both Facebook and Google. So big in tech, um, a, a very high up person in those companies. And her premise was that women should be leaning in at the boardroom table, as opposed to what she calls leaning back at the table, advocating more for themselves getting into those leadership roles and getting into the messiness and just kind of putting themselves out there, being more confident, which I don't totally disagree with all of these things. Mm -hmm. However, what it did is it really inspired a movement for women to continue to go and achieve, in my opinion, without really evaluating if they really wanted it or not. Mm. And in 10 years, I think it's been about 10 years since she wrote this book and maybe a year more or two more since she gave the initial infamous TED Talk, famous TED Talk. 
And actually, she also gave a speech at a college graduation around the same time as well. That was very well known. And all of this was kind of based on, on you know, all these things were related. Um, the idea is like, are women in particular healthier, happier, better off? Are there more women in leadership positions in companies? And the answer is complicated because, of course, it's difficult to evaluate those things. There are a few more women in the C-suite type positions at this point, but it's still a very small number of people. Are women healthier and happier? One of the things that I argue in the book is that we're not necessarily healthier and happier and that this culture has been causing women to have mental health issues, physical health issues, and something that people don't really talk about very much. It's contributing to women having infertility. Interesting. Yeah, I was going to ask if you have had, and I know you give a number of examples of women you've worked with in the book, but can you talk about some of those kind of hidden consequences that maybe we haven't talked about with the lean-in culture that we're starting to see or that you saw in your own life and things that have transpired in women's lives as a result? Yeah. So I have a lot of examples in the book from the medical field because I happen to be a physician and I happen to be one of the examples in the book. Now, I also have other examples from professions and I think you can define a professional in a lot of different ways. So anyone that really has a job that isn't just a kind of clock in, clock out type job can be considered a professional. Anyone that puts integrity into their work and actually is on a path to improvement And as far as consequences that are occurring, burnout is at a really high rate in the medical field. And I can give you numbers there because it's studied physicians, because we do a lot of research for medical purposes and epidemiological purposes happen to also have research on themselves. And so there's in anywhere between a 40 and a 50% burnout rate among physicians, and that's men and women in the field and the most recent years surveys. And that is a crazy high number. Burnout is something that comes with it. Depression, sometimes anxiety, substance abuse, other issues that are related to workplace productivity, medical errors, and things like that. Burnout is a problem in other fields as well, like law and things like that. It's just that it's not as studied as widely. And it's something that's just starting to be talked about in tech and law and other fields. On top of that, in general, our population, regardless of jobs, is becoming less and less healthy. And there are studies that show things like work hour volume associated with stroke, associated with hypertension, shift work associated with insulin resistance and diabetes, things of that nature. So there are physical consequences, there are mental health consequences, and then Infertility is on the rise in this country. It's approximately 13% of people. And among physicians, which again have been studied more than other professions, it's like double that rate. It's some studies show 25 to 30% of physician women have infertility. One of the main factors that is just something that you can't argue with. There are a lot of different things that are playing into infertility, but One factor that is not disputed is that women are having children later. Mm -hmm. And part of that is our 
job trajectories and the kind of professions that we're going into and the kind of work hours that we're seeing. But there's a culture that is involved there that discourages women from trying to have a family while they're working. And that is causing women to delay their childbearing years. And then subsequently, they're getting diagnosed with infertility. Yeah, I am so glad you brought up all of those things. Um, Obviously, the infertility piece does not relate necessarily to me, but I remember feeling the pressure of that, right? Of like, if I take a break, what will that do for my career? And there was numerous talks of, do I become a stay-at-home mom? Do you Are you going to continue working? And I had strived so much of my life, right? If you're an achiever, it's not like it just starts in your 20s. <laughs> it's usually built up and you're kind of ingrained in that culture for years. So it felt like I was going to let myself down, right? I invested all of this money in my career and, and who I was into my identity. And so it felt like I had to choose. And I think a lot of this podcast was giving all of us the permission to not have to choose. Like it's not an either or it's not a black or white. It's not like you have to give up your old life in order to be a mom or it's not like you have to give up your career in order to be adventurous. Like it can be somewhat a triangulation. So I'm really glad you just highlighted that even if you aren't struggling with infertility. I think there's things around the decision to be a mom or a parent that people have to grapple with and careers often one of them. So I'm really glad you you brought that up. Can you talk a little bit about your own personal journey and how this affected you and your career, but also with your family planning? Yeah. So in our previous conversation on your podcast, I shared a little bit about my journey. I was in residency when I was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and it happened to be a benign tumor, luckily, but it was a very large pituitary adenoma. And the pituitary gland is a gland that does a lot of different things. And one of the things it does is govern the hormones that signal the reproductive organs to do what they're supposed to do at the time that they're supposed to do it. And so I ended up I actually, let me just rewind a little bit. I had really a self-care fail during this time of my life, which was that I was on that treadmill going, going, trying to do everything. And at the same time, feeling really bad and not really knowing why I was going blind and I wasn't even aware that I was going blind, but I was struggling at work. And once I was diagnosed it all made sense. And then I had to have surgery. I had to have a convalescence period, which really afforded a lot of time for self-reflection and for taking stock of what I wanted my life to look like. It was a scary idea to have something like this. And then to come out of it with a diagnosis of something that was treatable uh, was great, but it did leave me with permanent infertility. So to get to your piece about work-life balance and, and family planning, I had always wanted to, well, not always. I actually wasn't sure I wanted to have a child, but I had always wanted to have a career that gave me freedom to take time off to have adventures because I was big into rock climbing with my husband. And we decided that we did want to bring a child into our our family unit. The starting of the fertility workup was what actually got the ball rolling to figure out this tumor. So after I had my uh, surgery and my recovery period, I finished my medical training and then I sought to use infertility services in order to have the child that I wanted. 
And it did take a long time. It was three years. And that affected my work-life balance as well, because you do need to ask for time off when you have things like that. You do need to, unless you want to try to keep it a secret, which is really tough because then people are going to wonder, you know, why you have to go to these appointments last minute. But people do do that. I definitely um, tell people to not do that. But um, it is something that will interfere with your workplace and scheduling. And so I had to use vacation for things that I would normally use an adventure for to do infertility treatments and things like that. It took yeah. about three years because by the time that I was doing this, I actually was older. And as we were mentioning, your chances of fertility and of getting pregnant go down as you get older, just naturally, even if you're, you have no medical problems whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And I finally had my child after about three years of different treatments and she is now seven years old. So I have one and I'm still working as a physician. I live to tell the tale, but it really helped me to realize that I wanted to design my work to look the way that I wanted it to do. I wanted to have time to be able to do the kind of travel that I wanted, to be able to be the kind of mother that I wanted to be present with my husband and things of that nature, and at the same time, achieve at work. Yeah. And I think this is all brewing, right? This whole concept in your book called Leaning Out. So I know there's a number of stories in there, but talk me through like, I don't even want to call it an episode because you just gave a pretty elaborate uh, case scenario for your story, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a brain tumor or infertility that can cause you to lean out, right? That doesn't need to be the trigger. And so what is your hope in, in the lean out concept? And we'll get to what lean out is, but like, what was your hope in writing this book? How did you hope that this would offer a new path for working parents? Yeah. I have been recently calling myself a counterculture professional. Mm -hmm. I like that term a lot. I feel like nowadays counterculture isn't what it used to be in the hippie days, biker games and hippies. Now counterculture is wanting to live a life of ease, wanting to have freedom in your schedule, wanting to have boundaries between work and not always be on in this age of having devices and connectivity constantly. And also just to be courageous enough to say, hold up, I actually don't want what everybody else is doing. And that's really why I wanted to write the book. I have been toying with writing a book for a number of years because when I had my experience, I started writing a blog about physician wellness in specific, and it has blossomed to talking about adventure, talking about infertility, talking about financial literacy and financial freedom, and all of the things that I'm really passionate about and care about. And I wanted to bring that all into a book that had some sort of a message that would help people. So I feel like what this does is it gives people permission to know that they're not alone, number one, if they want to do something that isn't like every single other one of their colleagues in their field of you know, their practice or their profession or whatever it is that they do at work, and that you can carve out a path for yourself if you're confident enough, if you do good work and the things that you actually like and you care about and you want to keep in your, your work part of your work and life balance, you can do that. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You don't have to be 
the perfect golden child in the area that you work and achieving at the highest point or quit and work as a barista at Starbucks, which was something that I thought about when I was a resident because I was like, I can't do this. I've got to quit when I was, you know, not sure that, you know, I wanted to keep going and I was sick and I didn't know it. And I thought I was just burned out. I was like, I need to go work at REI or at Starbucks. That's what I kept saying to myself. And so many people have all or nothing thinking. So a lot of the book is really um, tools to help people to examine their thoughts, to question the rules that they've been living by and ways that they can design their lives and look at their profession in a different way. Yeah. I want to lean into this a little bit even further. So you give some really great examples of what success is not. So I'm going to cite them for you. It's not linear. It's not brutal. It's not serious. And it's not absolute. Can you just give us a little bit of an explanation of what do you mean when you say it's not linear? It's not brutal. It's not serious. What do those things mean to you? I just think this is a really helpful mindset to get into because so many of us are striving And success was the answer, right? So help us define a healthy definition of of what is not success. Like help us go through the not linear process first. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's an entire chapter about redefining success. And I think the key there is that you have to define success for you and what it looks like in your terms and in your set of values and not what success looks like for other people or for famous people or for whoever. And so I like to start off saying like what success is not. And what I meant by that is that there's not a linear progression per se in your life with anything that you do really. Um, People think that for instance, when they take up a sport or they take up physical fitness, that they're just going to progress linear in this like, well, I'm going to lift the 10 pound dumbbells and then I'm going to perfectly lift the 20 pound and then it's going to be the 30 pound. But that is really not how it goes. Some of your audience may have seen a graph where on one graph, it says what people think success looks like. And it has a line that's going like at a 45 degree angle. And what success really is, the graph looks like a piece of spaghetti, like all tangled up. Yeah. Because there are highs and lows and there are plateaus and there are, you know, crazy success points. And it's just all over the map for people. And it's true with basically anything that we're doing. It doesn't have to be work. But that was the application here. And then as far as brutal, you don't have to be the martyr at work. You don't have to sacrifice your your physical well-being to be successful. And you shouldn't have to. If you are getting sick, if the cost of success is that high, I would argue that that's not success. And I also think that we need to have fun when we're having success. And if we're not having fun and having some element of joy and element of adventure, then that isn't really successful either. And that your success is relative to you and that it's difficult to compare success, which is really the idea behind it's not absolute and the idea behind redefining it for yourself and not what it looks like for other people. Yeah, thank you for that quick summary. I was when I was reading the book, so the not serious one, right? Success is not serious. I had to laugh because 
it was inevitable that almost on every performance review I ever had is it would come across and say like, Heidi is very enthusiastic. And in my brain, I had conjured up the belief that that meant I wasn't smart. And I hated that, right? So I had, I was like, well, I guess I need to be more professional and I need to be more like this and that. And that's just not who I am at all. So in the process of that, I realized, no, like I've become this ugly shell of someone that I don't even want to be anymore. It was pretty miserable. (laughs) So those things are good, right? You're allowed to have fun. You're allowed to be laughing. Yeah. All of those things, I think, are part of what makes us unique and whole, and it's good, right? It's healthy to be those things. So I love that you told that story or you kind of highlighted it that way, and that's how I saw myself in the story, so appreciate that. Yeah, you know what's funny about that story is that um, you're bringing up a couple of things and, you know, the example of having a compliment of enthusiasm, except that you didn't even take it as a compliment, and it just shows that our evolutionary brains we want to pull out the thing that we think is negative, and that's the thing we focus on when probably you had glowing reviews, and that was part of it, except that you saw it as a negative, and then you wanted to fix that, and it wasn't even necessarily a negative. Yeah. So crazy. There were several other pieces in there too around like just being authentic to who you are. And I think, so I'm just to set the stage, I'm in a gap year. uh, And I think part of this has been my own desire. I'm not someone who was trying to escape work. And I think what has, your book has highlighted for me is that you can be a lot of different things and it doesn't have to be absolute. And one of the things I'm learning, so I'm three months into potentially a year, maybe longer, I don't know. It's interesting what opens up that you don't see as even possible. So when you do lean out, I think people think you need this really structured plan and or maybe that's what we had been taught. And so that's the old self. And we almost have to unlearn some of that structure in order to make space for the opportunities that could exist. You know, I just wanted to share that, too. It's not like if you lean out, you're going to lose everything. I know you had mentioned that earlier, but I'm already an example of, No, things have shown up in my life that I could not have predicted. And yet it's like the best version of what I wanted, right? And so it's easy to go worst case scenario and feel like you have to have a plan. And I just want to say you don't have to have it all figured out because it probably isn't going to go according to plan either. So you have the ability to play into the flexibility. How do you coach people into that though? Because that's not comfortable when you are an achiever and when you have a plan and when you follow the plan, how do you help people see the idea of having a little bit of space for the unknown and allowing opportunities to show up? Yes, it's definitely a common theme in coaching, which is that we need to accept and be okay with uncertainty. And as far as how do I kind of help people do that? One of the things is to help people on a really granular level just to cultivate some sort of mindfulness practice. So I don't want to get super woo or anything like that, but a way that works for you to get in the present moment will help you to realize that that's the only moment you really like have any control over at all. And then as far as kind of going down those rabbit holes of like, what if, what if, what if, I have sometimes taken people through like worst case scenarios Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about like, well, you know, what if 
you go and you ask for this change in your work schedule. And then what's going to happen? What are they going to say? Okay, well, I'm afraid they're going to say this. Well, what if they do say that? Then what happens? You know, and so we kind of try to go down those scenarios. I have walked people through rehearsing what they're going to say in those kind of situations because those are really difficult where it's like, I'm so afraid of what they're going to say to me. And then the other thing I want to say just related to the experience that you've already had with your with your gap year is that when people are on the other side, it is so fun to hear people say things like, I didn't realize X, Y, or Z until I had open space in my life to actually reflect. And whatever it is, it can be something really small. I mean, I have had, I had a client where I helped her to go down to part-time work. She was a physician. And then she realized once she went down to um, a, a level where she actually had time to think that she really hated the politics of her practice. And she ended up going to New Zealand and practicing in a completely different country because she wanted a, a totally different health system. And, you know, you can imagine the, the differences between the health system. It's kind of like money and production driven versus like something different. And so she couldn't even really see that until she had an open space in her life to be able to realize that. And it can be as small as another client who said, oh, once I had the ability to go outside in the morning, certain mornings, because she doesn't have to work every single morning at five in the morning or, you know, drive an hour commute or something like that and see my child off to the bus, I was able to enjoy my yard. And I realized that I miss gardening. And that is going to be the thing that I bring into my life more um, because I I need to cultivate that as a hobby or something like that. Whereas before it's like, well, I don't know what I like. I don't know what I like to do in my free time because I don't really have free time. I haven't thought of it for 10 or 20 years. And so I have no idea what I like to do for fun. You know, that time scarcity mindset to like an abundance mindset is just huge. I have a funny story. This week, actually, I love coffee. And in my old life, my busy, you know, getting things done, getting out the door in the morning, getting three kids ready for school, all of those things, it was like coffee was happening along the way. There was never like time to sit down and enjoy a cup of coffee. It was like, hurry up, do this, do that. I don't even know that I ever tasted my coffee, right? It was like cold and, or I was drinking it at 10 o'clock in a meeting. And this week we are in a space where there wasn't any power. And so we're using pour over coffee, which takes four and a half minutes to make a cup of coffee. And I I looked at my husband and I was like, I think I'm winning in life now. I think this is defining moment right here. Like I am actually okay taking four and a half minutes to make one cup of coffee. Like this would not have existed in my old life. And then I actually get to taste it before it's cold and I enjoy it and I like it. (laughs) And I think this is a defining symbolism of slow life. (laughs) It is. And I so resonate with this example. It's a perfect example, number one. And number two, I also love coffee. And when we're in our RV, I also use a pour over machine. And I mean, it's not a machine. It's just like a handheld thing. And it is so aromatic and just it's such a joyful experience to do that and the fact that you can do that I mean it it really like gives this sense of gratitude and just contentment which is something that a lot of people are missing in the world and I really want to help people get that back 
Yeah, yeah. Give me a little bit more of a feeling of the lean out. So we've heard lean in. I want to wrap, kind of go towards the end now with the book. And and you have made several references of what it looks like or what it could look like, some examples. Can you give me a couple more examples of like what does lean out potentially look like or what are some examples of how people have leaned out? Okay. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, the the name is a riff on the Lean In movement and the Lean In book. And in that book, the author talks about how she was tired of seeing women lean back at the boardroom. And I thought, you know, leaning back is just not the right term. It's really leaning out. It's leaning away from the fray of what everyone else is doing and recognizing your position on what I like to call the hedonic treadmill of achievement. So a lot of people know about the hedonic treadmill, that idea that like you need more and more to kind of be satisfied and happy and yet your happiness goes back and you upgrade your car Mm -hmm. or your house or whatever and then you're not as happy as you expected that you would be. You get like a short happiness boost. It works the same with achievement and along the way you're getting more and more responsibility because as you achieve more people are giving you more things to do and then all of a sudden you're on this and you're like, how do I get off and do less? And so the idea behind leaning out is number one, it's not lazy. It's not leaning back. It's not not wanting to be involved. You still have integrity for what you want to do. You still want to serve your people, your clients, your patients, whatever it is that you do at work. But what you need to do is somehow figure out the things that you really want to do in your life and pair away at work the things that you don't want to do. And so I have some different steps that people can do. And the first thing is to address your shoulds and your rules. And even at a real kind of basic level of like, for example, a really good worker is one that should stay at work 10 hours a day, every day, or, you know, something like that, or a good person in my field should be answering emails on Saturday or you know things like that. So you examine those rules, decide which rules really aren't working for you and where did they come from? And then you examine spend time with yourself, a lot of self time. Examine who you really are by looking at the fact that you are not your achievements, that you are a human being and you're worthy of having a better work-life balance just by the fact that you're here and then redefining success as we talked about gaining self-knowledge in other means, other ways that I have highlighted in the book. And then a, a key piece of information, and this is where I actually reference you in the book, is practicing doing hard things. And one of those things is doing adventures. And they can be on your own or with a family. And the idea that adventures don't have to be really grandiose and expensive and time-consuming, that it can be that kind of small weekend brown sign adventure, but it is hard to do. It's hard to take yourself out, Mm -hmm. to put your phone down or whatever device it is, turn off the voicemail, turn off the emails and go out and do something that's just for you or just for your family. And there are other examples of things that are hard to do, but that that's one that is really hard for people that, and like cultivating mindfulness and taking time for themselves. Yeah. I want to wrap up by you telling the story of your daughter asking you to do things that are not on the list today. Could you talk a little bit about what that looks like for you and the simple adventures with your family? 
Yeah. Well, so since you and I spoke on our last podcast conversation, we have purchased a large property in the mountains of Utah. And it's our next adventure, basically. We used to do a lot of travel adventures to far off worlds, which we would still like to do someday. But we've kind of pulled back from that because we bought this beautiful property that is basically like raw land. And it has a lot of projects, a lot of work to be done. And the few things that were on the property, such as a solar system and a septic system and a water pumping system, because there's stream on the property, they didn't even work. And so when we got there, we didn't realize that you kind of buy land as is. And it was really frustrating in the beginning, trying to live there. And we we're trying to live in a tiny house, which is kind of like an RV with a second level. And I was quite frustrated one morning and my daughter said, let's go out and play. Let's just go out and play. And I was doing that. And I think I was also maybe doing something for my blog or something for my coaching business or something like that at the same time. And so I had to peel away from it and be like, all right, okay, I'll go. I'll, I'll go for you. Um, and so I, I went out the door with her and we ran down the hill and she started walking to the stream. And then she said, mom, She's like, you go here and then I'll go here and then let's go do some stuff that's off the list. And she just said it out of the blue. And I don't know where she came up with this idea, but it really hit me. I loved it. The way that she said it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a metaphor in so many ways. And I saw it as a reflection point that I was living my life not on the list of what everyone expects and the way that people are doing things. And then also that you need to just do things that are off the to-do list. Sometimes you need to put away your to-do list and do things for fun and for adventure and for connection with the people that matter most in your life. I love that story because it's also sometimes hard when you are in this life and this world and this roles that we have to be spontaneous, to do things that are just fun for the sake of being fun and not have a purpose or an end game or needing to have a, a good outcome. <laughs> so challenging sometimes. So I love that metaphor too. I was joking with my husband. I was like, oh, what can we do off list today? <laughs> I love it. Dawn, this is a fabulous book. Leaning Out is the book. Do you want to tell people where they can find it? But then also where can they find you? I know you've got some other things going. You have a coaching business. You also are starting a podcast. So help me understand where can my audience find the book? And then also what else is coming from Dawn Baker? Yeah, the easiest place to find all of these things is at my website, which is called practicebalance.com. And on the website, I have 10 plus years of blog posts that you might find inspiring talking about some of these concepts. And then I also have a way to get in touch with me to make a coaching consultation. I have a link to purchase my book and it is available right now as we speak on Amazon through the e-reader and through a paper version. And then I'm working on an audio version for people that like audiobooks. I have started a podcast of interviews with inspiring women who are doing things different in the counterculture way in their professions. And so there are a couple of episodes up now and that's called the Lean Out Podcast. And there's a link to that on my website as well. And then I'm active on social media on Instagram because I love photography and posting photographs of my family and of my property. And so you can find me there on, at Practice Balance as well. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for putting your words into the story because I know that is a task. Author to author, proud of you. <laughs> so excited to have it out into the universe. And thank you for coming back. I love always oh. wrapping up by coming back to previous guests and hearing where things are at. So I really appreciate having you back on the show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Don. I appreciate you, your mindset, your experiences. I have 10 key takeaways from this episode. Number one, leaning in was a term to encourage professional women to make their voices present in the boardroom, to advocate for themselves, to get in the messiness and grow confidence to take leadership. That movement pushed women to achieve without determining if that's what they really wanted in their lifestyle. Number two, while some women have evolved into leadership roles over the past 10 years since this movement began, overall, professional women aren't necessarily happier or healthier since the movement began. Instead, the results are demonstrating challenges with physical and mental health, as well as a rise in infertility. Number three, the medical field in particular has conducted formal studies to understand the impact of burnout. Through these studies, burnout has demonstrated to lead to other health disorders, including substance abuse disorders, medical errors, mental health disorders. In fact, the increase in work hour volume is proving to decrease physical health well-being metrics, such as as demonstrated with a proliferation of diabetes, obesity, and professionals with health conditions. Number four, career-oriented women are delaying family planning to establish their careers. Delaying your childbirthing years for women is also a leading indicator of infertility. Dawn shares her own experience delaying family planning, and due to a physical condition and the impact fertility treatments had on her work and life balance lifestyle. Number five, a counterculture specialist is wanting to be courageous enough to not want what everyone else wants. Her book, Lean Out, allows readers to design a life that doesn't require all or nothing thinking. Number six, you have to define success based on your own values. Success is not linear progression of growth. There are plateaus and valleys throughout the process. Success is not brutal. You don't have to sacrifice your well-being to achieve. If you are, Dawn would question if that's actually success. Success is fun, not serious. Your success is relative to you. Sometimes we think we need to fix things that aren't actually broken in order to declare our success. Number seven, leaning out doesn't mean you have to have everything figured out. Helping others embrace the unknown and mindful of present moments while working through limiting beliefs and worst case scenarios is critical to the process. Number eight, when people are on the other side, it's so fun to hear them realize I didn't know XYZ is possible until I had the space. Having the space allowed many experiences to create new opportunities or cultivate joy rather than having to find joy into their existing life and fit it in. Number nine, a defining symbolism of winning for me in slow life was taking four and a half minutes to brew pour over coffee and actually savoring the experience of fresh brewed coffee on a chilly morning. Leaning out is stepping off the hedonic treadmill of achievement. It's not lazy. You still want to serve your people with integrity and contribute. The difference is that you aren't sacrificing yourself as part of the process. As a foundational first step, working through your own shoulds and establish your rules, then practice doing the hard things. Number 10, doing things off the list was a phrase coined by her daughter. It encourages you to do things for fun with the people that matter most. I hope you enjoy this episode. I do have a tool in addition to the ones that Dawn references through her podcast, through her website and her book that might be helpful for you in just putting some data behind your metrics of joy 
So the joy audit tracking form was a tool that actually helped us better understand our sequence of returns risk, so to speak, in the joy and lifestyle design space. So if that's a tool that's of interest to you, the link is in the show notes. It has been such an honor. I can't wait to continue to travel down these adventurous roads with you to see your journey develop and find out how might you lean out of the traditional lifestyle and find an adventure that suits you and your family in the most meaningful way possible. Until next week, keep on adventuring. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.